Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. You know, the fall will be here before you know it, and the temperatures will start to drop and get a little bit cooler. So swing on by Leon Tailoring to get you something warm that will not burn a hole in your pocket. Maybe it's a nice little bit of a heavier jacket, or maybe a heavier blouse or skirt, or no matter what it is, maybe a nice sweater. No matter what it is, you can get it at Leon Tailoring. You can get it ready-made or custom-made or tailor-made. Just go on in, tell them Abdul sent you, and they'll take care of you, and they'll be happy to do it as well. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis situations play out in the pandemic all right so let's go here okay so we're gonna this is a kind of a crazy chart um and it it you know i, th I think in general my rule is that you should only have like four things on a chart um so i've already broken that rule a few times like this is five things and it's uh you know but so this is 50 52 things um so what i've got up here is a the it's this is these are jobs numbers at the state and local level, I, um, I didn't, this is where I spend you know, my, my spare research time looking at state and local data. I, I spend a lot more time um, looking, I spend a lot of time looking at the jobs numbers. The BEA actually does put out GDP numbers for um, states and metro areas. And they're not bad, but I, they're, they take longer, they take a while to come out and they're on a quarterly basis. And I think the, the jobs numbers really um, do a great job of giving you an idea of how things are going and how things are going. And, and at least, it, it, in, at least what, the way I think about it is, you know, you're, generally we're benchmarking what's going on locally against what's going on in the U.S. as a whole. So that's what I'm doing here. And, I, and I'm, I'm also benchmarking against the beginning of the pandemic. So what I've done here is these are jobs numbers. This, so again, the jobs numbers, it's, it's, sometimes it's called non-farm payroll employment. These are jobs numbers that come from businesses where we're just counting up how many people are on payrolls. So you might have two part-time jobs. That means you get counted twice in these numbers, right? But, um, but over time, the, the share of, the, of workers who are part-time versus full-time probably doesn't change. So you can kind of use this still as a great indicator of aggregate economic activity. All right. So um, the jobs numbers come out monthly, which is great. And then and when we can get a, and they're, they're, I think they're pretty accurate in general. So we can get a really good idea of what's going on a lot sooner than you get from waiting for the BEA to put out their quarterly GDP numbers. I think at the metro area level, they don't even put out, I think they only put out annual numbers. So really at the metro level, it's just another reason to think that the jobs numbers are really the best thing you've got. And I think... They're quite good. And I would contrast this with the unemployment rate data that are at the state and local level, where I, I, at least in my opinion, the quality there, there's a lot more noise. And the reason there's a lot more noise is because the sample size is really small at the state, especially you get to smaller places like counties. You, you know, the, 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 um, the BLS surveys about 60,000 households in, throughout the entire country to get the unemployment rate. You divide 60,000 into, um, say, you know, Grand Rapids, you put it, how many people does that mean they're polling in Grand Rapids, Michigan? You know, it's maybe 100 people, 150 people to figure out Grand Rapids' un unemployment rate, right? So it's, it's a really small number. Um, and, the, you know, it's not that they're, they're meaningless, but I think it's more like the unemployment rate. If I were going to look at the unemployment rate for, a, for like a, a small, like a Kalamazoo, Michigan, for example, uh, you know, I would, 
I would be mostly looking at what's changed over the last year or over the last six months. Whereas I think for for the the the, the payroll survey data, um, eventually the payroll data actually get benchmarked to um, the unemployment insurance data, which is you know the universe of workers, almost the almost universe of workers. So it's very accurate. That takes a year, but the survey they do so they do a survey for the short run. The survey covers about three hundred thousand businesses. Um, or establishments, actually, 300,000 establishments throughout the entire uh, U.S. And that, and, th and those establishments are going to touch more than one household, right? They're going to touch multiple households. So I think the, in general, these, the, the jobs numbers are just way more accurate and useful at the state and local level. So that's that's what I'm going to be. Fo that's what I'm focused on. And um, so for this chart. I've done an index where I've set 100 to be where you were at the start of the pandemic in February 2020. And so let's talk about the U.S. Just to help you interpret it, let's look at the U.S. line. The U.S. line went from 100 in February to almost 85 in um, April of 2020. So that was almost 15 percent. This is in percent terms. So almost 15 percent of workers lost their jobs. Um, in two months at the beginning of the pandemic. In the 7th District, so the 7th District is Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Now, it's, that's not the Midwest, although sometimes I, you know, like there's no way you can not include Ohio, for example, in the Midwest. Um, you know, there, there, you can debate some of the other places. I used to say that, I guess it's a joke now. I used to say I, th I think the, the Midwest is the Big Ten, but obviously cannot do that anymore. Um, but I actually, the, the original Big Ten, I think it's a pretty good, um, a pretty good measure of the Midwest. So you know, the Seventh District does not cover the Big Ten. It covers there are many important parts of the Big Ten that are not in the Seventh District. However, we're in the middle of it. Um, so um, so anyway, so the Seventh District is 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 uh, you can see here that the Seventh District lost more. Um, workers than the uh, U.S. did as a whole. Um, and then what you can see is that it caught up in um, in kind of mid-2020 and stuck around with the U.S. for a while, and then it started lagging the U.S. Okay, so then there's a whole range of experiences right here, right? So there's all of these, the gray lines are all 50 states. There are some states that are way up. At, the U.S. is now above 100. The 7th District is not. So being above 100... And it actually got above 100, I think, kind of halfway through the year last year. That means that it's, there are as many jobs now as there were before the pandemic. In fact, the U.S. now has more jobs than it did before the pandemic. The seventh district, no. The seventh district still below 100. It's about 98. All right. So there, you know, so I've been um, trying to understand the di why, diff why these lines have different paths. Um, and I've got a couple blog posts out there from last year that are three, actually, that, that discuss this. And there, there are two main factors that I want to focus on. The, and the first one is states that had big, large first waves are still lagging other states. So states that had big drops be, um, at the be, states that had big drops at the beginning of the pandemic, like think New York, New Jersey, Michigan, um, they still have they've, they've been slower to come back. Um, and and there you know there's reason to kind of maybe debate about what explains why some states had bigger employment drops at the beginning. But from what I can tell, um, the, the size of your first wave really matters. The other thing that matters is, you know, what share of your employment was in leisure hospitality. So the, the, the line at the bottom is Hawaii. 
why he's still not come back um, in terms of employment. Um, and it's because it's a tourism-driven place. Same with, like, Nevada lost a ton of workers um, at the beginning of the pandemic. And so states that, so there's this, it's kind of like a, a, a hysteresis story is what we, it's a, that's the economics term, um, where, you know, states that got hit hard with jobs at the beginning, um, you know, they had more business closures. They had, um, you know, probably more people drop. I, I should, I, I, I don't know. I actually haven't checked whether they had lower labor force participation rates. I should check that. Um, but I think there's a story here where, you know, the, the bite of the beginning of the pandemic of the economic shutdown, it's still playing out in some places um, more than others. But I, I actually don't think that's the major story at this point. At this point, the major story is kind of long run trends. And I think that's most easily seen with the 7th district line. You can see the 7th district caught up here, but then the 7th district started falling behind. And I think that reason is because the 7th district and the Midwest are the slow growth part of the country or the slowest growth part of the country. Okay. Or not the, not the slowest, but we're a slow growth part. So the, so the way that I want to drive this home is with this next slide. So what I did is I took the 50 lines and I put them in four groups into quartiles. And I, I, the way I grouped them was by how quickly they were growing leading up to the pandemic. So I said, um, for the five years prior to the pandemic, how much did your employment grow? What, by what percent did your employment grow? If it grew, if you, and if you, if your state ranked um, in the top 13, you're in the first quartile. If your state ranked in the bottom 13, you're in the fourth quartile. Okay, so let's look at these quartiles now. So this is the same chart, but I've collapsed everything into four lines. In the first, let, let's, so let's look at the first quartile. The first quartile's employment has already recovered. Now, again, these are the fastest growth states prior to the pandemic. All right, so think, again, like the, the ones at the top at, in the previous chart were Idaho and Utah. They're fast growth states prior to the pandemic. Their population, I think, my theory is that they're growing quickly because they're relatively cheaper than the West Coast. Lots of people, I think, are my understanding, are moving from the West Coast to those states and they're, they're growing quickly. So the pandemic um, didn't really have, a, as, didn't have as big of an effect on their jobs numbers um, uh, as other places. And then and they've resumed their fast growth status. All right, but I, you know, so, and then what you can see here is, you know, at this point, the fourth quartile, the slowest growth states are now, again, they have the slowest recovery. In the third quartile states, they have the second slowest recovery. All of the Midwest states, except for Minnesota, are in the third quartile. So the Midwest states weren't the slowest growth prior to the pandemic. There were some, you know, like the, the Dakotas, and um, which I guess I didn't include in the mid, I'm not including the Midwest in this case, you know, places like that where they were, they were, there was the shale oil boom that bust, busted before the pandemic. They were really slow growth in the five years um, leading up to the pandemic. But the Midwest is generally and has long been and continues to be a slow growth place. And that, that's what we're seeing here too, is that the recovery is, taking longer or is, is happening slower in the Midwest than other places. All right. Um, okay. All right. So then let's, let's actually look at the individual states here now. Um, and, you know, I, so what I want to do here is I want to try to tell you a story from, with my, I mean, there, there are other things going on for sure, but I want to try to tell you a story for each state here um, that's related to um, these two factors. How big was your initial drop? And then 
um, how quickly were you growing prior to the pandemic? Um, and you know, why, so actually, before, but before I do that, let me say, why is the Midwest a slow growth place? There are many reasons, um, I think, but I think the best reason really is the Rust Belt story um, that still, I think, is still playing out today. So you know, the Rust Belt story is that we're the, this manufacturing hub, and um, we've, we've moved over the last many decades, moved from an industrial economy to a post-industrial economy where we've seen this huge shift of, con of the um, consumer basket go from goods to services. At the beginning of, like in the, at the, in the, at the beginning of the post-war era, say in the 50s, um, I don't have this chart, but you know, we were spending, um, I'm trying to think now, I think it was almost, I, I, don't, I shouldn't give you numbers. We were spending a, a much larger share of our incomes on goods. And by now, at this point, we're spending a much larger share of our, uh, a much smaller share of our income on goods. And so what does that mean for places, the parts of the country that are producing goods largely? So the Midwest is just really, you know, Indiana and Wisconsin are the two most concentrated in manufacturing of any state in the country. And, you know, Michigan is not far behind. Iowa's farm-driven a little bit more, but they still got a large manufacturing base. And then Illinois also has a lot of manufacturing, especially downstate. Chicago kind of dominates Illinois. But Chicago is kind of like the headquarters for the Midwest. It's, it's got, um, while it really specializes in professional and business services, um, th those, those industries are serving um, the surrounding manufacturing economy. And so, I, you know, Illinois really, Illinois and Chicago really go with the rest, with the Midwest, not with other big city states. Um, so I, I think, so that's, that's why I think the, the Midwest is slow growth. And I think that's the story for why um, all five Midwest states are now behind the U.S. in terms of recovery. And it, um, so, but, but, you know, like, so Michigan, for example, why, why, why is Michigan's labor force participation rate low? I think there might be a story here that, that Michigan, because it had such a big drop at the beginning, that that's still having a bite now um, in terms of keeping its labor force participation rate lower than other places. You know, I think that's probably partly why Michigan is at the bottom of this chart here is that it, it you know, you can see Michigan actually had the biggest drop in employment of, I think it was... I, don't, I think it might have been either the biggest or the second biggest at the beginning. And it bounced back really quickly. Um, and, you know, the, the reason it dropped was because the auto industry, you know, shut down for a few weeks. Um, but it, but it, bounced, and it bounced back a lot, but it still, you know, continued to lag other peer states in a sense. Um, and, you know, Illinois had a smaller initial drop, but it, it, um, it's slowed. Um, same with Wisconsin. Also, they had relatively small drops at the beginning, but I think these long-run trends are playing out for it. Um, same with Iowa. Now, Indiana is an interesting story. Um, I've looked a little bit more into Indiana because it's been kind of baffling. Indiana is a really strong manufacturing state, and um, so it's, it should be a slower growth place, and it's, um, it had a bigger drop at the beginning than the U.S. as a whole. But I think, you know, what I would say for Indiana um, is that it's it had a really, um, it had an, a nice early bounce back. I think a, a big part because of um, some favorable industry mix stuff within manufacturing. So it's a warehousing place. So there was a really strong demand for warehousing. It's also got the um, Elkhart and the the R and V 
um, hub there, not RNV, not R, not, not RV hub there in Elkhart, where they, they just had really, really, really strong demand over the course of, say, 2021, where it, it, it's not enough to, to fully explain this number, but it's enough to, to help explain why Indiana kind of has outperformed other uh, uh, neighboring states. Um, they, you know, they, they had, sub, it, it, it specialized in kind of the right sub-industries to, to have really strong um, employment growth in 2021. But, you know, you can see in 2022 that it's kind of come back to, um, um, in 2022, it kind of it came back to reality a little bit. And, and we're actually starting to see, at least in, in, in the uh, RV industry, for example, I think we're, we're starting to see some declining in jobs numbers. Um, so, um, but it's still, you know, still got a, a decent lead here. Um, but, you know, and I don't think that's a perfect story for Indiana, but it's, it's at least a start. Um, so, okay, so I think that's all I've got. Um, I can take further questions and answers. Oh, I, actually, one other thing I want to add. I know that I've gone over, haven't I? Um, one other thing I want to add is that we do have um, some indexes that we produce in-house that I didn't talk about at all, um, but that you might want to check out. One is I talked about already the Chicago Fed National Activity Index. It's a monthly indicator that is centered at zero and in terms of standard deviations. And it's kind of like an early GDP indicator. There are other ones out there, but it's, it's a one that we like to look at. And then we also have, I actually put out a Midwest-oriented index from my a survey I conduct um, to get anecdotes that, um, that is kind of an early indicator for what's going on in the Midwest called the Chicago Fed Survey of Economic Conditions. Yeah, yeah, I'll, um, I'll send Mike your um, information. Yeah, so we have, there are press releases every month for both of those. So, sorry I went over, um, but go ahead. Do you ever do, like, interviews? Like, if we have stories that come up later on, that would be, like, a good story. Yeah. Or would you ever... Yeah, so I, it goes through Mike, but, um, right. and if, so Mike and the public affairs folks, if they think I'm a good match for your question, um, I don't know. There's some stuff I know a lot about, but a lot of stuff I don't know much about. So, go ahead. Sorry. Um, the Facebook. One of the things that I love about that report is the level of detail that it has. Um, I mean, yeah, we just, you know, we just ask. I, I think what we do is we talk to a lot of people, and then hopefully a few anecdotes filter up that are worth. Um, summarizing stuff with yeah so we have yeah so i have a survey this chicago fed survey of economic conditions where we it's about 120 people that fill out the survey and we ask them you know did your is your employment up down say the same or your sales up down say the same and then tell us what's going on. tell us what you're thinking you know what are you worried about you know tell us you know what what areas are increasing what areas are decreasing um so that we get information from that and then we also have roundtables where we feed people lunch, and it's about 10 to 15 people. We run them in each, all, all five states, and then those folks come in. It's much more kind of a conversational type of thing where they're just um, tell, telling us what they're seeing, and we can have a back and forth. That's one way the stories. And then we also actually, you know, it used to be the Beige Book was all phone calls, um, and we do a few of those still. So. so I guess I used up all your break time. Okay, one. Um, Curious, like how you're um, tracking or you know, the evolution of the Midwest economy. And, like, walk here to you know, this, uh, startups or trying to be more of a startup. Indiana, Indiana, 
How much does that factor in? You talk about the whole line for smaller manufacturers as some classic manufacturers. Yeah, so I mean, it's so I think, you know, I, what I, what's important to note here is that when I say slow growth, I don't mean like no growth. Like there's, there's definitely innovative stuff going on in the Midwest. There are definitely exciting startups and other types of things going on in the Midwest. All, in, in all ways, you know, like and there's, you know, there's going to be all this, you know, electric vehicle stuff that's I think is um, going to have a big impact on the Midwest. Um, and so lots of innovation happening. Um, but, you know, like, um, so it's not no growth. It's just that the, the, the jobs driving, the, 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 the sectors that drive lots of jobs growth, manufacturing is just not that, you know, and it hasn't been for a long time. And it's hard to forecast that it will be um, because for these kind of, because, you know, like I, I, I wouldn't forecast that we would be spending more of our incomes in 20 years on stuff. I think we're still going to be spending more of it. We're going to keep going more and more towards services um, or maybe not more and more, but at least at the same pace. But it's hard to forecast for a, a, a big jobs renaissance in manufacturing, even if there is a lot of great innovation going on. A lot of the innovation is going on as a to, to, to automate and, and maybe um, free up workers for doing more services, right, is, is how I would put it. But um, but yeah, so that I think and I think all that is means that if you're the manufacturing hub of the country, you're just going to be slower growth. And, uh, you know, that, that doesn't mean that it's not a great place to live or a great place to do business. It's just, uh, you know, when you're making policy, it's probably wise to be making it, um, taking into account that you're a slow growth area. When you say service, you really talk about health care. Well, yeah, so health care counts as a service. You know, we're spending more and more on education. We're spending more and more on entertainment and Leisure and hospitality. Actually, I, the one question I have is like, we still have leisure and hospitality as a shrinking share of the economy. Um, is a smaller share of the economy than it was before the pandemic, but before that, it was a rising share. So, like, is that gonna is that trend gonna continue? It seems reasonable to me that it would, um, but yeah. So, Scott, I think you keep getting ready to say stuff. Okay. Yeah, I, I can stay. Um, well, thank you. Thank you, Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Can, can we try a five-minute break? Because that's cool. So, 10 to 7 or something to start. And then, Tom, I'll give a minute to hang around. Maybe we'll give you if you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.